bars and hoops, Lamont swoops back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up, you on block on mic and booth, then kick it out to one who likes to shoot, oh yeah, said we merging them, got 50 with a surgeon, and some throwbacks like Snoop Dogg, with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing on how about maybe a little Wayne speaking on bird back then, bars and hoops y'all, we hitting up all courts, but now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports, back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts, points of view that you've never seen from your favorite artists like talking about Jeffrey Green or Gerald Wallace, whoever's on your favorite team, El Amino the versus still be great on the name for B&H. Drake's opinion on spates, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate, the fact we giving them straight, the truth they shitting on tape, who sports makes for a take, so true or you can debate on who you really done rate, come through it really be great, the true the fact like a state, AAM on Prime 8, please remember, bars and hoops, the center of the hood, make it part of your agenda. What up, what up, what up, y'all? Bars and Hoops, Steals the Great, episode 47. You know what I mean? Before I start this episode, I want to say, you know, Happy New Year to everybody. You know, it's the first episode of the new year. Today's episode is definitely going to cover a lot of the NFL. You know, we had Wild Card Weekend. A lot of teams that were favorites went down. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA, and we're definitely going to talk about the world of hip-hop because it's very interesting and a lot is going on at the start of this year. So... Without any further ado, let's just kick it off with the NFL. You know what I mean? Of course, my team, you know, the Giants, you know, they decided to clean house, you know what I mean? Because they didn't make the playoffs, but I'm not going to really get into the whole Giants talk. I'm going to talk about, you know, what happened this weekend. You know what I mean? The debacle in Kansas City. You know, Kansas City basically blew a lead and lost. And the NFC, you know, the Atlanta Falcons pretty much handed it to you know, the Los Angeles Rams, you know, a lot of upsets, man. A lot of things went down. So it's, it's leading into a very interesting, you know, January and February for a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It's, it's looking like it's anyone's game right now. You know, a lot of teams that people thought wouldn't make any noise are actually, you know, making some noise. And it's going to be really interesting, man. The Falcons look like a team that's to be reckoned with, man. It's looking like they got some unfinished business that they want to take care of and, um, you know, they knocked off the Los Angeles Rams. You know what I mean? It was a tough game. They did their thing. Can't take anything away from them. Matty Ice, Julio Jones, you know, that running game is lethal. So who knows what's going to happen, man? You know, but the NFC, the road to the NFC leads through Minnesota, man. And that's ultimately where the Super Bowl is going to be played. And, you know, anybody in the NFC, whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's the Falcons, they got to go through. Minnesota, you know what I mean, to get to that promised land, you know what I mean? Carolina is definitely, you know, there too. You can't take anything away from Cam, you know what I mean? They got a little something to say. They got a tough defense, you know, but, you know, roads all lead through Minnesota, man, and then that weather and that team's defense, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be a very interesting playoffs moving forward, both in the NFC and the AFC. But moving away from the wild card weekend, you know, I, I, it it behoove me to not talk about, you know, what's been going on outside of the playoffs. You know, one, you know, the, the whole situation with John Gruden, you know what I mean, getting that job, 
you know, with Oakland, it was a rumor that was out there that, you know, he had the job before they announced it, and it was a big thing between Gruden and Stephen A. Smith, you know what I mean? Stephen A. Smith basically bringing up the Rooney rule, you know, saying that the Raiders violated the Rooney rule by not really announcing any African-American candidates who may have interviewed for the job, and this, that, and the third, man. But ultimately, John Gruden ended up getting the job, you know what I mean, for a whopping 10 years at $100 million. Now, <laughs> John Gruden hasn't coached in a very long time, and he's getting $100 million out of the gate. So what do you think somebody like, you know, Bill Belichick is worth? You know, moving on to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, we know that there's been a lot of stirring up and problems brewing in New England because, you know, Tom Brady's trainer was let go. You know what I mean? You know, the, the Patriots eventually ended up trading Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know, it's a lot of stuff brewing in New England, man. And, you know, the rumors were out there, man. A lot, And the article was, you know, released through ESPN that basically said, you know, Tom Brady kind of went into Robert Kraft's office to complain about him not wanting Jimmy Garoppolo around. And Robert Kraft met with... Um, Bill Belichick and basically told him to get rid of um, Jimmy G. You know, now he's in San Francisco. San Francisco won five games straight. And it looks like, you know, Tom Brady probably was shook, you know, of losing his position. You know what I mean? Who knows? They say it's all hearsay. They say it's rumors. They say that it's not true. They say that they're in lockstep with one another. But Stevie Wonder can see that it's an issue going on in New England, which leads to a lot of speculation. Will Bill Belichick be back? The latest rumor is, and this is the rumor mill, this is nothing that's written or etched in stone or anything, but the rumor is that, you know, hey, the New York Giants may be a place that Bill Belichick would end up. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, he's been a part of the Giants organization before. You know, he's been a part of the Super Bowl teams. He was the defensive coordinator for the Giants way back when under Bill Parcells. So it'd be a 360 thing for him to come back to New York. I mean, but that's just all speculation. You know what I mean? A guy like Belichick would want total control if he was to come to New York. What do you do with Dave Gettleman? You just brought him back to the fold with the Giants. But, you know, it's very interesting. You know what I mean? It's interesting to see what's really going on in the NFL and, you know, what's going on in Patriots land. Because um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this playoffs. Will this whole issue affect the way that the Patriots go about handling their business? It remains to be seen. I know that, for one, you know, if there's any truth to the rumors, that makes Tom Brady look weak. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm pretty sure that he remembers how he got his job. You know what I mean? He was definitely the person that took, you know, (laughs) Drew Bledsoe's position when Bledsoe went down and he was hurt. So Brady's seen the writing on the wall, and everybody knows that Bill Belichick isn't the most loyal person when it comes to personnel decisions he handles it like a g man it's a business at the end of the day it's no hard feelings at the end of the day it's either you're performing or you're not if you're not performing we're gonna move on and that's his whole take on everything you know what i mean his whole take on how he moves as a coach as a general manager because he made all he made all of the moves in in new england you know what i mean so it's gonna be pretty interesting to see the dynamic of that relationship moving forward If the Patriots ultimately make it to the Super Bowl, will they win? If they win, 
are they going to part ways? You know, that remains to be seen. So, you know, stay tuned. You know, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting uh, playoff season so far. And it's only going to get better moving forward. You know what I mean? Now, me speaking personally on as a Giant fan, you know, I don't know. I'm torn between the whole Bill Belichick thing. You know what I mean? On one hand, he is a great coach. He's a great coach. He's won many Super Bowls in New England. But with that also comes a lot of the baggage of, you know, spy gating, deflate, deflate gating, all of these things that's tied to Bill Belichick's legacy. You know what I mean? You can't take away the fact that he's a great coach, but there's also going to be an asterisk next to a lot of his accomplishments because of the fact that they've been caught cheating before. You know what I mean? You know. So, me as a Giant fan, would I love to have Belichick? Of course. You know what I mean? But the Giants need a lot of work. You know, they got to figure out what they want to do with Eli. You know, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Odell Beckham. You know what I mean? We got a lot of holes to fill on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. We need more receivers. We need a better running back. And I'm on record saying that I love Saquon Barkley, but will the Giants select Saquon Barkley knowing that Eli is still going to be here moving forward? As Chris Canty would say, it doesn't matter who your running back is. If you don't have an offensive line intact, you know, you can have Walter Payton and it won't make a difference because guys have to open up holes and the runners have to find those holes and make do with what they get. And the Giants haven't had a good offensive line in many years. And that's been a glaring weakness of this team. That That's part of the reason why Eli Manning has failed. Well, I am not going to say he failed completely, but... He doesn't have time, and, you know, he's, he's looked very bad when he doesn't have time. You know what I mean? And that's something that needs to be addressed. Now, you know, to get somebody like Belichick from New England, it's going to be a hefty price tag as well. You know what I mean? Will they be willing to pay to get him off of New England's hands? Because he's still under contract, regardless of the fact. You know what I mean? He's still under contract, and you have to compensate the team to get him now that means would they give up draft picks and everything like that no I would never do that you know no coach is worth that you know I, I wasn't really too fond of the Gettleman pickup me you know I wanted Lewis Riddick but hey that's the Giants I'm not in control I don't own the team I'm just a fan like everybody else but I'm just giving you my one twos on on that situation it's stirring up to be a very interesting uh, Super Bowl and a very interesting offseason heading into the summer, heading into the draft, and heading into next season. Let's stay tuned and see what's going on, you know what I mean? Because it's going to be very, very, very interesting. But moving along, man, you know, enough of the NFL. Let's get straight to it with the NBA. Isaiah Thomas, IT, has come back. My man Zai, you know, that's, that's his man, you know what I mean? He's in Cleveland now, but when he was Boston, when he was in Boston, you know what I mean? He, he bigged him up to the point where, oh, nobody's better than Isaiah Thomas, this, that, and the third. Well, they traded him for Kyrie Irving because apparently they felt like Kyrie gave them a better chance to win, better opportunity to win. It was a bigger name. You could fairly say that their numbers are the same. Can't take that away from them. Isaiah Thomas is a very crafty guy with the ball. You know, he scores the ball with the best of them. The only thing that that goes against him is his size, but his size means nothing because his heart is the size of a lion. You know, but with that being said, he came back last week, and um, his first game back was against the Portland Trailblazers. 
You know, now, you know, I'm not going to lie. Do I think that he should have played against the Blazers knowing that his very next game was against Boston back in Boston? Of course not. You know what I mean? I wanted to see him go against um, Kyrie, but I know that that's too much sauce for him right now. You know, he probably didn't want to see no parts of Kyrie. No disrespect to Damian Lillard, because Damian Lillard is definitely a good guard. You know what I mean? He's very nice. He's 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 um he's a scoring guard. You know, he get, he gets no respect in the Western Conference, as it shows in the All Star voting, and he's continuously going to be snubbed. You know what I mean? While he's playing in West, but the fact of the matter is, is that. I wanted to see Isaiah Thomas come back to Boston, you know, get the respect that he deserves and play against Kyrie. That didn't happen. He chose to play against Portland. He came back, scored 17 points in 21 minutes. That was a pretty decent showing. And then the next game in Boston, he sat. You know, he didn't bring his family along. They didn't give him a video tribute. They didn't do anything for him, which is, you know, very disrespectful. But when you look at it in hindsight, you know, he's only been in Boston for a couple years. He hasn't had a real legacy there. You know what I mean? He he had some great moments there. He led that team, you know, to a very impressive number one seed last year when they really had no real horses, a young team, you know, that's God-oriented, no real big men. He did his thing. I can't take that away from him. So he felt the way about not getting attributed. Him and Danny Ainge aren't on the best of terms right now. And he, he has every right to be upset because at the end of the day, you know, he gave his all to the Boston Celtics organization and, you know, he was traded and he was hurt by that because he played through the death of his sister. He didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? He, he played for the organization. So he feels like they owed him a little bit more respect than they really gave him. And he has every right to feel that way. Another thing that's been floating out there, well, it's not even a rumor, it's actually fact. You know, um, Boston wanted to retire Paul Pierce's jersey, but they also wanted to use that night to share a tribute for Isaiah Thomas. And Paul Pierce said flat out, no, I don't think that I deserve to share anything with Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, Paul Pierce, got, Paul Pierce is right. Why should he share his spotlight that particular day? A guy that was a lifelong Celtic compared to a guy that's only been there for a couple of seasons. Pierce has every right to feel that way. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to share either. As much as I've done for the organization, basically number two in every category behind Larry Bird. And you mean to tell me that I got to share my night with a guy that, you know, came and played one or two good seasons and, you know, I automatically have to move over and share my night with him? No. It's not right. It's not fair. I don't believe in that. But nonetheless, Isaiah Thomas is a great player. You know what I mean? I like Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Kyrie is my guy. You know, I'm a Knicks fan, but I respect Kyrie, and I wanted Kyrie here in New York. But I do recognize his talents. I always supported that guy when he left, you know, Cleveland because everybody and their mother wanted to jump on him. Like, how can you leave LeBron? Like, oh, you're just going to be a loser when you leave. And now, look. Boston has the number one record in the Eastern Conference. And even though Kyrie isn't doing it all by assisting and everything, the team takes on his character. You know what I mean? They're a gritty team. They score the ball. Jason Tatum is playing out of his mind. You know, Jalen Brown is also playing out of his mind. Marcus Smart. You know, those guys play tough defense. Terry Rozier. You know, Al Horford do his thing. And Brad Stevens is one hell of a coach. So... 
kudos to Boston. Kudos to, you know, Kyrie and Brad Stevens, man. Salute to those guys. They played very hard so far this season, and they're surprising a lot of people, even though they lost Gordon Hayward. Can you imagine where they would be if Gordon Hayward was still around? <laughs> That's scary. You know what I mean? That's very scary. But it's sad, you know, that it's going down the way that it's going down in Boston because, you know, Isaiah's a good guy. A good player, but that's just the business of basketball, you know what I mean? And at this point, you can't take it personal, you know what I mean? This is why, on one hand, you can't fault players for not having loyalty to organizations because, on the flip side, organizations have no loyalty to the players, you know what I mean? If they want to trade you and they feel that they can get somebody for you, your ass is out of here, you know what I mean? That's the bottom line. Your ass is definitely out of here if they feel, you know, they can get something better for you. You know, moving on to the Western Conference, though, the West Coast, you know. This guy never ceases to amaze me, man. He's always in the headlines. He's always in the spotlight. And he hasn't played a lick of basketball in the NBA. And I'm talking about LeVar Ball. Of course, you know, everybody knows his antics. This guy pulled his kids out of school because he basically couldn't get his way. You know what I mean? The coach basically said that LaMelo can't shoot 50-something times a game. I'm just exaggerating with the amount of times he wanted to shoot the ball. But basically, he couldn't do his own thing or do what he wanted to do. He wanted to play more of a team game. LaVar pulls him out of school. He pulled LiAngelo out of school. You know, now the latest thing is that he's criticizing Luke Walton, which I knew that this was going to happen. I said this way before the season started that the way that this guy's makeup is, that's exactly what was going to happen. You know what I mean? And he's in L.A., like the second biggest market in the world for sports. You know, the first biggest market, of course, is New York City. Like This is why I said if he was to ever be drafted by the Knicks, it would have been a nightmare. LeVar Ball would have been in every newspaper outlet and, you know, New York media loves to gobble that type of stuff up, man. And he's basically doing that in L.A. now. You're criticizing the kid's coach. Now, that causes a lot of division amongst the team. You know what I mean? You could say that LeVar just runs his mouth about things, but apparently what he's saying could be a reflection of what Lonzo was telling him. You know what I mean? Even if it's not. You know what I mean? Shannon Sharp made a great part point. Like, even though it didn't come from the player himself, coming from your siblings or your significant other, it makes it seem like something was said for your your significant other, your father, your mother, your parent, your whoever, to come out and say something. So, you know, it's looking real bad on the part of Lonzo Ball. And quite honestly, I think that this situation is going to end up with the Lakers doing exactly what they did to D'Angelo Russell. You know what I mean? They're going to get rid of Lonzo because Lonzo isn't as talented as D'Angelo Russell. Let's just get that out the way. You know, D'Angelo Russell was a talented guard and the Lakers felt like they needed to part ways with him because of the whole Swaggy P incident. You know what I mean? He lost the trust of the locker room because he couldn't shut his mouth. So apparently, or more than likely, the same thing is going to happen with this Lonzo Ball situation. LeVar Ball is a cancer and he doesn't even play basketball. You know, the media... They constantly shove microphones in his face, give him a spotlight, give him a, a, a platform to just spew nonsense. In the beginning, it was cool. Your son made it. You already won. 
He made it to the NBA. You don't have to go hard. Your 15 minutes is over. Let your son play basketball. You know what I mean? You're constantly looking for an outlet to promote LeVar. You know what I mean? Everything is about LeVar. It's not even about his kids anymore. And that's what I never respected about this whole situation. It always looked to me as he's living through his kids. And I know plenty of parents, friends that I grew up with, that to a degree they lived through their kids. You know, they wanted them to play basketball because, you know, they didn't really go that far and they wanted to live through their kids and they support their kids. But it's a different level when it comes to LeVar. You know what I mean? To me, and I always say this, he messed up the whole thing with Lonzo. He, Lonzo could have got a big contract from any one of these sneaker companies. And in turn, they could have used that money if they really wanted to start their own brand, use that money to create their own brand instead of now having to use their money to create their own brand. You know, the talent doesn't add up to me. You know what I mean? I don't see the Lakers really putting up much with it, especially if you're not really producing them. I mean, he had a triple-double. You know, that's that's the standard now. Like, these rookies coming in, a lot of them are having triple-doubles. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> it's just the new age, the new wave of players. You know what I mean? The talent level is definitely off the charts. So, he had a few outstanding moments as a rookie. But they're far and beyond. You know what I mean? It's not like a consistent effort on his part. You know what I mean? He's definitely not a consistent dude when it comes to that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know, man. I just don't see, you know, Magic, especially Magic. You know, Magic could care less about Lonzo. Magic is a businessman at the end of the day. And if he feels that LeVar is becoming a very big distraction, he's going to move Lonzo Ball. And the next place that Lonzo goes, if it's a big city market, which I doubt, it may have to be in a small town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a Memphis or somewhere to quiet LeVar down. You know what I mean? It has to be somewhere like that in order for him to get his career back on track. But I don't see that happening. And I keep saying it. It may end up being a 30 for 30 session. Know, the life of the balls. You know what I mean? I see it now. You know what I mean? It's not going to end well, man. This guy got his 15 minutes of favor. You won already. Your kids have money. You have money. You got a Facebook deal. You know what I mean? Your sneakers. You got your sneakers out there. Granted, people are still waiting for theirs, but nonetheless, you still got it. You know what I mean? You got what you came for. You got the bag. You know what I mean? Be satisfied with that and keep it moving. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to hear LeVar Ball's side of things anymore, especially if he's not playing. You know what I mean? I, for one, I'm just sick of it. You know what I mean? You got a lot of people out there that want to take the, oh, the media. They don't want to see a strong black man, you know, stand up for his kids, this, that, and the third. Like, come on, man, miss me with that. At the end of the day, it doesn't have anything to do with black or white. And what he's doing as a dad is wrong. He's treating the NBA like it's an AAU thing. You know, we know how most of those parents in the AAU circuit are. Oh, their kids can't do nothing wrong. Their kids have to have the ball. Their kids have to shine and score and all of this nonsense, man. So he's bringing that AAU mentality to the NBA, and they're going to put a stop to it. You know what I mean? He's not bigger than the game. You know, you already tried to revolutionize how 
the sneaker industry is and they shut you down they blackballed you you know what i mean so just chill out you know let your son play his game i mean i think the damage is already done i think the writing is on the wall and it's only but for so long the lakers are gonna allow this type of foolery to continue on you know what i mean so i feel sorry for lonzo ball man because he's just doing what his pops tells him nobody's gonna go against the grain of their parents you know what i mean at the end of the day it's the person that brought you in the world so you're only gonna do what your parent wants you to do you know what i mean it's unfortunate because until he becomes a man and tells his dad to chill out and let him control his fate and do what he needs to do this is gonna be an ongoing problem you know what i mean and that's just that you know, so we're going to stay tuned to that situation. I, I like Luke Walton's handle on everything. You know, he didn't get too crazy with it. He made a joke during the press conference like, yo, I sat him because his father kept talking shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He got a little chuckle out of everybody. But, you know, he basically gave a good logic to why he sat Lonzo and played him with Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, they have a better flow with one another. He cleaned it up nice, but... You know, I don't see that situation ending well. And especially when you're attacking a Walton, we already know how Bill Walton got a little bit of pull in the NBA. So stay tuned to that situation in L.A., man. It's going to get more interesting as the season goes along. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes on it because it's definitely a juicy story that's, that's unfolding there in L.A. Now, speaking of the situation, we're going to switch gears and move to Dallas. You know what I mean? Because yesterday... My Knicks took on the Dallas Mavericks, but, you know, interesting enough, before the game or after the game, the Dallas Mavericks coach Rick Carlisle kind of attacked LeVar Ball and basically said everything that I said. Why is the media constantly shoving a microphone in this guy's face? You know what I mean? He shouldn't be this relevant. You know what I mean? He shouldn't have any platform to talk about or, or slander any coach because of his son's play or his son's lack of playing time or the style of play that the team plays like he shouldn't have any input in that and I, I agree with Rick Carlisle to a degree Stephen A on the other hand you know he was going in you know Stephen A is who he is man he's he's an OG big dog in the game he's entitled to his opinion just like anybody else is entitled to their opinion and um you know he kind of went against the grain with, with what Rick Carlisle said but as journalists I guess you know, they take a story any way that they can get it, you know, whether it's factual or not. If it's going to get clicks and likes, they're going to jump on it, you know what I mean, which is whack. But, you know, Carlisle is right. LeVar Ball shouldn't have any say-so in anything going on with any NBA team. At the end of the day, he's just a kid's parent, you know what I mean? And he shouldn't have that type of um, outlet to criticize anybody, you know what I mean, or any coach you know, in the NBA. And this is just the sound of times changing, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The big showdown yesterday was between, of course, the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks, two bottom feeder teams, you know, that have two interesting, you know, point guards and drive picks, you know what I mean? Me as a Knicks fan, you know, I feel the same way that LeBron James and every other person with sense feels when it came down to their draft pick. Dennis Smith Jr. fell right into the Knicks' hands. But <laughs> Zen Master Phil felt like the Knicks should have gone in the direction of Frank Nilekina, and he ultimately drafted Frank Nilekina. Fair enough. 
You know what I mean? He drafted him because of size, length, pause. You know, he's a defensive game changer, this, that, and the third. But at the end of the day, his offensive skill is a liability to the Knicks. And for a lottery pick, they should have went with a guy that has the better upside. You know what I mean? Everywhere that you turn, everywhere that you read, people said that Nilla Kenya would be a solid pro. Nothing like superstar, like guys like Dennis Smith Jr. and other guys in the draft projected to be. You know what I mean? That's the issue I have with the whole pick. You know what I mean? Dennis Smith Jr. is starting in Dallas. He's growing along the way. Franklin Lakinia is coming off the bench. And he has a string of bad games, and then he'll have one good game. And that one good game just so happens to be against somebody that's either from his country or somebody like Dennis Smith Jr., who he feels like people slighted him because everybody wanted to have Dennis Smith Jr. instead of Franklin. I don't like that mentality. At the end of the day, if that's your mentality, you should come with a chip on your shoulder every game. Everybody that you play against should get the wrath or feel the wrath of you because you're trying to solidify your spot. You're trying to solidify why the team drafted you at number eight. You want to show everybody, not just when the matchup presents itself. Oh, I'm playing against Lonzo Ball or I'm playing against uh, Dennis Smith Jr. or I'm playing against Donovan Mitchell. No, everybody should feel your wrath. Every game, every team that passed up on you or that had something to say about your draft position and status, everybody should feel it. Don't just wait to turn it on against this team, that team in the third. The New York media, man, you know, they'll paint a wild picture for you. Like, he finished with seven points, five rebounds, and, you know, a couple of assists. You know what I mean? They made it seem like he had, like, the the best game ever. Like, he had a triple-double. And Nick fans, I'm a Nick fan. Again, I'm a diehard Nick fan. You know what I mean? I could go back to the 80s with my Nick fandom before Patrick Ewing was there, when him and Bill Cartwright were together as the Twin Towers. You know what I mean? I lived through that era. I lived through the 90s Knicks. I suffered through the millennium, through the year 2000, for about seven, eight years before they actually got good. I suffered through them bringing Marbury back and then running them out of town. You know what I mean? I went through the McDice era. So me... I have every right to be critical of anything that this team does. I've seen them run Carmelo Anthony out of town, whether it was right or wrong. At the end of the day, Carmelo came here in his prime. He didn't have to come here. You know what I mean? And fans didn't appreciate him, and he never had any real help. Now, people could have the right to say that Carmelo kind of created that atmosphere on his own because he could have waited to come to New York. But he didn't. He wanted his money. So be it. They moved heaven and earth to get him. He's helped the Garden sell a lot of tickets, and they had a lot of exciting times in here. And they have arguably one of their best seasons during Melo's tenure here. So the team got their money's worth. You know what I mean? He made the playoffs every year before he got to New York in Denver in a tougher Western Conference. He comes to New York. His game diminishes. The team started missing the playoffs back-to-back-to-back years. His game ultimately suffered. He started falling off injuries, and Father Tom caught up to Carmelo Anthony. It is what it is. The Knicks moved on. New chapter. They have Chris Stapps-Porzingis. That was a decent pick by Phil. I'm not going to sit here and call him a bum. But, like Stephen A. said, he's not built to be a number one option. He's not. And I agree with him. 
any if you're seven foot three and you're settling for jump shots against smaller players, if if, if a team can put a point guard on you, an opposing point guard on you, and they disrupt your game and take you out of your game and shut you down, you're not a superstar. I'm sorry. You're not. Boston has exposed Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Play, play physical with him. You know, annoy him. He wants to put the ball on the floor. Get a little physical with him, you take him out of his game. You know what I mean? He settles for jump shots against little guys. You know what I mean? He tries to bring the ball into the paint from the three-point line. He gets careless turnovers. He doesn't grab enough rebounds to me. But then again, he's not the worst player in the world. To me, he needs to get stronger. Will he get stronger? That remains to be seen. You know what I mean? He needs to add more muscle. He needs to get in the post more. He needs to go see Hakeem Olajuwon. He said it himself. Fans in New York tell me what I need to do more than, you know, I should be doing for myself. You know, he said it He said it himself. Everybody else knows what he should be doing. You know what I mean? He's sensitive. You know, he always walks around with that chip on his shoulder that fans booed him during the draft. This is New York, my brother. Get used to it. If your skin isn't thick and you can't take the criticism, you might as well leave. And he's never guaranteed the New York fans that he wants to stay. I mean, he says it, but then his brother Giannis goes out and says that, you know, they want to see changes happen in New York before he even commits long-term to the Knicks. So right there, that's a red flag for me. Phil Jackson created this monster. (laughs) And I hate to call him a monster. He's not a monster. But Phil Jackson created this guy, this diva. And Chris Stapps Porzingis. And again, I'm a Nick fan. People may call me crazy. You sound like you're a Nick hater. No, I'm a Nick fan, but I've seen way too many bad seasons. And <clears throat> I've seen the Knicks blow it, you know, with trading away draft picks and, you know, making bad trades and bringing players in way past their prime. This time, I feel like the Knicks kind of blew last year's draft pick with Frank Nillikini. I'm sorry, you know, because a lottery pick is supposed to have the upside of, all right, if Chris Stapps Porzingis goes down, this year's draft pick can carry the load of the team or at least <clears throat> have an impact on the game. Frank Nillikini does none of that. You know, you don't waste the number eight pick on a project, on a foreign player that has to get adapted to the NBA game in the hardest position to play in the NBA. Point guard is like a quarterback in football. We all know that. That's the most important point, important part of the game. You don't invest that type of pick on a project that may not pan out. That's still learning the American game, you know, and, and that's why I'm so critical of Franklin Kenya. It's cool to be known as a defensive player. I mean, defense is about effort, and you're supposed to want to play defense. It's two sides of the basketball. Me, when I used to play, <clears throat> I took pride in shutting down the team's other players. You know what I mean? Especially their best player. I used to get in their heads. I talked to them, get a little physical with them, get in their head. You know what I mean? But I also moved my feet, and I played, you know, I played defense hard. I played with a chip on my shoulder when it came to that. At the end of the day, Everybody should play defense. That shouldn't be something that separates you from anybody. Everybody should play defense on that court. You should play hard on defense. That shouldn't be, oh, that's the reason why we drafted him. No. I want somebody that's a two-way player that plays offense and defense. And Frank is a liability. You know what I mean? And he gets erratic and careless with the ball at times. And, you know, he has turnovers. And I'm just not sold on him. I'm not sold on him at all. I feel like it was a wasted draft pick. I feel like... The pick was made 
for Phil Jackson's system, and the Knicks are going to suffer for it. You know what I mean? When it comes down to um, picking up his option on his rookie deal, should the Knicks do that? Or is he worth that? You know what I mean? I don't think that he's worth locking up any money into him long term because his game has to still develop. It's going to take a long time for him to develop the necessary skills to play a point guard in the NBA. That's not going to happen in two years, three years. You know what I mean? He, he showed flashes every now and then, but not enough. And the way his mentality is and the style of his game, it doesn't look like that's going to come easy for him. It doesn't. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And for all you Nick fans, that's delusional. Shout out to the Nick Nation, the blog, you know, on Facebook. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they definitely come at me sideways talking about I'm a delusional fan. I don't know what I'm talking about, my credibility, this, that, and the third, man. But at the end of the day, I'm entitled to my opinions, just like you're entitled to yours. Me, I'm not sold on Frank Nilakina. I'm not sold on Jeff Hornacek. You know I me. Mean? I like Scott Perry. You know, I, I respect Steve Mills. You know what I mean? But um, they need a new coach. They need another lottery pick. I hate to say it, so they need to start losing some games, even though they're losing now. It was so funny is everybody and their mother was like, oh, you gave Tim Hardaway Jr. $72 million. What are you doing? Now everybody's crying about the fact that Tim Hardaway isn't there. Now the Knicks need him so bad. You know what I mean? It's just crazy, man. Like, you know, Nick fans, man, you, you're never satisfied. <laughs> and I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm not saying it like I'm not a fan, but, you know, some of these guys are definitely characters, man, and unrealistic when it comes down to things. You know what I mean? Especially Knicks. I'm not one of those unreasonable fans. I mean, there was once upon a time when I did make some wild predictions as far as, you know, records are concerned. You know, I, I definitely had them winning 57 games when they got Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and everybody. And we know how that season ended. It was a debacle. You know what I mean? But part of that was because of the triangle and Jeff Hornacek not being able to stand up for himself and tell Phil, no, let me coach my way. You know what I mean? Everybody's quick to bash Melo because the team had some early season success because they played a majority of their games at home. They held home court. You know, they played well at home. But they're a totally different team on the road. You know what I mean? And the heart and soul of the Knicks team right now is Enos Cantor. He plays hard. He grabs rebounds and he scores in the paint. You know what I mean? He plays defense better than a lot of people gave him credit for. You know what I mean? He's the heart and soul of that team. He's the new age Charles Oakley for the Knicks. You know what I mean? Kristaps Porzingis is a very talented player, but he's not a number one option. I'm sorry. He dangles around the three-point line too much for me. He plays on the perimeter too much for me, for my liking. He needs to be closer to the basket. You're not Kevin Durant. And even Kevin Durant has a low post game. As skinny as KD is and as tight as his handle is, he's not trying to break little point guards down from the top of the key. You put a point guard on him if you want to. He's going to take him down to the post and abuse him. Porzingis needs that type of mentality if he wants to strive here in New York City, man, because the media and the fan base are going to tear him apart. You know what I mean? If he doesn't do that moving forward. You know what I mean? So my advice to you, KP, is you better go down to Houston and work with Hakeem Olajuwon during the summer. You better pick up a post game and you better put on some muscles. You know what I mean? You need to put on some weight 
You need to work on your post game and you need to stop hanging on the, in people's DMs. You know what I mean? Focus on basketball, man. You're starting to come across as a guy that came here to build his brand, which I'm not mad at. But at the end of the day, if you want to be the, the, the face of New York and the face of this franchise, these are the things that you got to do to make the fan base, you know what I mean, happy and love you more than life itself. You know what I mean? Bring Mark Jackson in, Steve Mills. You know what I mean? Bring Mark Jackson in, Scott Perry. You know what I mean? Mark Jackson can turn this thing around, man. He has the heart and soul of New York, man. And and we need a point guard to learn under somebody like Mark Jackson. So I'm a Nick fan, diehard Nick fan. I want nothing but the best for the team. But right now, I'm not sold on the draft picks. I'm not sold on the fact that KP may want to even stay here. You know what I mean? I wanted Kyrie Irving, and now it's looking like yo, the Knicks should have got rid of him to get Kyrie Irving. But like I said, man, we'll move on from that. I'm going to leave you guys with that. But to the, get to the juicy part of the show, man, <laughs> you know, it's been a, a, a funny start to the year, man, it's in the world of hip-hop. You know what I mean? And um, 2017 wrap-up, you know, normally this was something that Mad Skills from Virginia created. But in recent years, Uncle Murder took it and, you know, he basically kind of, I'm not going to lie, made it better. You know what I mean? But it finally came to a head because, you know, Skills felt like, you know, Uncle Murder basically took his stuff. And, you know, in hip-hop, it's an unwritten rule. It's not even an unwritten rule. The rule is not the bike. But, hey, man, un, you know, <laughs> Uncle Murder doesn't care about any rules or whatever. So he took the wrap-up song that Skills created. And like he said, like Skills said, he called them. You know, DM them, inbox them, say, hey, man, you know, I just wanted to take it. Yours is the PG version, mine's is the rated R version. And it, it, it's it's true. But at the end of the day, you know, nevertheless, you know, Uncle Murder made it funny. You know what I mean? It is rated R. You know what I mean? But he's just more of a character than Skills is. You know what I mean? Now, Skills took it to a, he took it into account. And he just got mad because he felt like Uncle Murder violated him and dissed him in the song and... He just got tired of it, and he shot back. So he made a diss response called Murdergram. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, Murdergram was the best thing that I've heard. You know what I mean? It was cool. It was cool. He sounded a lot more mad than anything. You know what I mean? And what was so funny, he kept trying to call out Clark Kent. I made the joke, like, yo, if y'all heard episode whatever with my man Tiny, you know, when Tiny tell you how Clark can't get down, kid, it'll be five fingers saying to the face, slap. You know what I mean? If Clark can't get angry at the fact that you was trying to get at him and put him in the song and just talking reckless and disrespectful about him throughout the whole situation. So, you know, he made his little made his little response. He dissed, you know, Uncle Murder said, you know, he got on the radios in New York and said, you know, y'all y'all know this ain't no battle. Like, I ain't even gonna respond to him. I mean, we all know that Uncle Murder ain't lyrically equipped to deal with me, this, that, and the third. Well, I guess Uncle Murder took offense to that, man. So, you know, after that Murdergram freestyle that or diss record that you put out, Skills, Uncle Murder came back with one. And it's called Why You Mad. <laughs> it actually was released today. And, you know, he took me. <laughs> He took the um, long kiss goodnight beat and he kind of killed it. And, you know, he killed it in his own fashion. Funny. It's funny. He was charismatic on it. And the streets are going to like it because he was direct. You know what I mean? He ain't played no games. He was direct. 
You know what I mean? And um, it was funny, man. And I think, you know, it's a battle. Uncle Murder, Uncle Murder won this battle, hands down. Because Skills said he's not going to do another one. I don't see him doing another one. And, you know, nobody really wants to hear Skills. And, you know, there's no diss to him or nothing like that. But nobody really checking for Skills. These young kids don't even know who he really is. You know what I mean? But it's going to be interesting moving forward to see, you know, how the response is in the streets to this record. You know what I mean? And, you know, for me, my phone has been going off for the past couple of hours with flames, you know, behind the video that was posted in the thread. You know what I mean? So I think that the streets is riding with murder. It's going to be funny to see where it goes from here. You know, I don't think it's going to get violent or anything like that. Nobody wants to see any violence or anything from these two guys, but it's going to be real interesting to see where this um this particular beef, you know, goes from here. You know what I mean? I don't expect Skills to come back again. I think he's going to chill out. He said he's a DJ now. But I think Murder's going to keep poking shots at him now. This is something that's going to help boost him up. You know what I mean? And help him with his career, you know? So stay tuned. You know what I mean? Stay tuned. You know what I mean? But um, I'm going to leave it on that note. You know what I mean? Hopefully you guys enjoyed, you know, this little segment. Again, Steals the Great flying solo today my first show of the year you know i had to come bring it to you live you know what i mean so on that note you know what i mean bars and hoops steals the great episode 47 and we signing off peace